A word of warning. The following podcast contains spoilers, alcohol consumption, and careless babbling by two inebriated women. Please enjoy the show. Cinema Lounge, the place that quenches your thirst for cool cocktails and bizarre celluloid. So sit back and relax while you listen to your hosts, Kara and Tony, as they discuss this episode's cinematic epic, King Creole. The lounge is now open. Hello and welcome to episode 7 of the Absurd Cinema Lounge. I'm your host, Kara, and as always, my sister, Tony is here as well. Hello, everyone. <laughs> All right, episode seven. So we had a great time doing our Halloween specials. <laughs> it was so much fun. I think we need to do more horror movies. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I have noticed that some of our horror movie episodes uh, are getting a little bit more play, so I don't know. I'm always for that, so. Um, so today's movie is not a horror movie. No, it is not. It is right up my alley. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we are doing 1958 Elvis film, Woo! King Creole. And there's a reason why we decided to pick this movie, because Tony and I just returned from New Orleans. For the hundredth time. I know. It's our, it's our like favorite place in the U.S. I can't say the world because we haven't been in too many places outside the world, <laughs> the country. Um, so yeah, we're gonna get into that later. But first, Tony, what have you been watching or doing since our last episode? Oh goodness. Um, well, I did finish a TV show on Hulu, which is only Murders in the Building, um, about it has Steve Martin and. Martin Short and Selena Gomez, and they start a podcast after a murder happens in their building, and they're investigating, so that's kind of funny. <laughs> that's right up your alley, because you really like those, like, murder mystery podcasts and things like that. Yes, true crime. Oh, they're my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> so if anybody wants any recommendations for any type of podcast in that realm, um, ask away, because I'm sure she'll give you some recommendations oh, yes. for her favorite. Um, what I've been watching, um, there is an episode, there is a, a series that I really like on HBO Max called Doom Patrol. It's kind of like within the DC universe, so you know I like my Marvel and superhero it's stuff. Kind of when you said Doom Patrol, it sounded like a Mad Max thing or something. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's it's really funny. Um, they're not really superheroes. They're kind of like these people who have like these conditions or <laughs> that kind of turn into that type of thing. But my favorite character is Cliff. He's like a robot guy, and he is played or voiced by um, Brendan Fraser. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he's hilarious in that movie, he's, that show. He's great. Is it like a cartoon? No, 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 no. It's oh. live action. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, that's kind of it. I mean, I did watch, you know, a lot of horror movies for the Halloween um, I did season. see Halloween Kills. Oh, you did? I have not yet. I won't but spoil I am, it. <laughs> I am gonna. I'm, I do have to watch that though. So. Uh, <laughs> oh boy, she well, was not happy about that one. I mean, I'm a Bravo fan, so you know Kyle Richards from The Real Housewives <laughs> is reprising her role as Lindsay, and Lindsay! it's more about her bangs than her, about <laughs> her bangs. Her bangs had a storyline on the her season, so when she was filming that, and she actually really broke her nose, supposedly, because then she had a nose job after. Oh, it was just During her fight with Michael Myers. Oh, so. I see. It was an excuse. Excuse. I think yeah. I need a nose job. We'll yeah. just say I broke my nose. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, let's see. 
Anything else? I mean, when we were in New Orleans, we should talk a little bit about that. Yeah. We, um, of course, we drank a lot and had ate. some great food. Ate, ate, drank, drank. I know. It's always <laughs> great. Eat, eat, drink, drink. <laughs> well, and you know, we've been down there for so long, like, I don't know what, it would have been like 25 years we've been going or something crazy I think crazy we like that. took our first trip, and I want to say February of 98. Yeah, it's been a long time. Um, Maybe 97. Yeah. Yeah. And those who know me personally, I was married last year in New Orleans, so yay. Um, but uh, yeah, we kind of don't do the too many of the touristy things we are now. They're fun. They're for, you know... It, it's more fun if you're doing it with somebody that's never been there. Right. Yeah. You know, it's it's still interesting to see the stories and if they're the same or not. Right. Um, you know, it's part of the culture that you love for some reason. It is just different. Right. You know? And it's not just the French Quarter. It's not just, you know, mm-hmm. Bourbon Street. So there's right. so much more to the city and what they have to offer. And, um, you know, when we were down there, it was masked. You had to wear your mask everywhere. You had to show your proof of vaccine or negative testing. Right, before you went um, into the restaurants. Yeah, It was just very strict, which, you know, I understand. I mean, they they want to have a Mardi Gras in a few months, and they want to have all the touristy things. To That's how they make money right. in the city. But it was a, especially an a exciting time for me because it was the first time I've actually planned and traveled alone. Mm-hmm. Um, I met, a, I flew out, flew, you know, I flew down there by myself, you know, got my own hotel. I was there before Kara arrived, so, and then we met up when she did, and right. so, it, and then I flew home by myself, so it was just, you know, it was exciting, it's, uh, to do that, but then, you know, also a little nerve-wracking, because, especially with, uh, Southwest had their issues, but I didn't fly Southwest, so that was, that was good, yeah, but, didn't have to deal with that yeah so it was just you yeah. know just doing it all alone on your own and mm-hmm. kind of that empowering right yeah. go so, girl yeah so uh, my ne- uh, my next thing that I would love to do of course you know we're always planning trips to New Orleans but I want to go to Salem oh yeah I've been there yeah I was there on Halloween one year see that's yeah be cool and it's just the whole New England kind of vibe you know yeah New England is really really nice I do love it there it's nice um, maybe next year, you know, yeah. even just a quick weekend trip, getaway yeah. type of thing. My my other like goal in life is to go visit Martha's Vineyard and go oh. to all the Jaws films. Well, sites. in the summer we can ride a bike around. Yes, and then I'll go in the water and go, ah, that Alex Kittner. <laughs> <laughs> so, quick little side note, podcast I listened to. I was listening to the topic of the story of the Lady of the Dunes, who. Um, they say, and it's kind of a thing, and they've even tried to um, make it, uh, prove it, was the girl that they, there was a girl and she was killed, and it wasn't far from where they were making Jaws at the time. And so Was she part of the crew, supposed to be, or something? Supposedly they think she was an extra, oh. but they end up finding her body um, on the beach, and it wasn't far from where they were shooting, and it was after the movie had wrapped. and So th- it's still like an unsolved case and everything, but so they wow. think she was in that, in that in the movie, but they can't prove anything. Do, they, oh, they don't they know didn't her keep, name? They didn't keep any records of uh, who they were because they were wow. just people showing up. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't have, like, you know, yeah. Donna Jones was, you know, right, on the right. set and things like they that. Were just so, local folks. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of interesting, but wow. uh, there's more to that. You know, you could always search that and listen to that podcast. Nice. Podcasts. Nice. But, yeah. So we were, you know, discussing uh, New Orleans, and, uh, you know, so that's why we chose this film. And, it, it, you know, King Creole, 1958, starring Elvis Presley. Yay! Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? And uh, Carolyn Jones, which Morticia Adams is who we all know her which, as. It's so funny because the face, you know, the hair is totally different. Oh, yeah, yeah. But her eyes are... Yes. Or have always been, like, her main... Yeah. You can tell who she is. She was also in House of Wax with Vincent Price. Who... She was blonde in that movie. Vincent and I go way back. We have the same birthday. Oh, (laughs) jeez. Vincent. 
Um, then not only Carolyn Jones, um, you know, like I said, she was in House of Wax, uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, and then she was also in shows um, like Wonder Woman, if you remember. She was Wonder Woman's mom on Paradise Island. Yes, and she was also married to Aaron Spelling, mm. um, who we all know who is the famous producer um, of all those 80s TV shows. Yes. But they were married from 53 to 64. Oh. So they, uh, no children or anything, because you know I'm a Tori Spelling fan. So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but uh, they were married and they uh, were just, they didn't have any children or anything. Nice. Um, but, nice little tidbit there. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, Walter Matthau. Who I love in Dennis the Menace, because that's where, you know, when you're younger, that's kind of what you were shown. You know, he was the grumpier old man. Yes. You know, Martha, where's the J.D. Garden house? (laughs) (laughs) I love that. It's just what I... (laughs) And he had those, like, fake teeth. like the Yes, they were like chiclets, and they supposed to... Dennis supposedly broke them off as dentures. Oh, that's hilarious. (laughs) But, uh... And then we... The last like main person in this film <laughs> it's hilarious Dolores Hart um she plays kind of like the little side love interest right yeah um and we'll get into that but but she first starred her first movie was in Loving You with Elvis yeah so she did two Elvis I movies. mean she got to kiss him twice yes I know <laughs> um and she was also in um a film in the 60s called Come Fly With Me and also Francis of Assisi um but then after 10 films yeah. Um, she were very good films, and she did a very, you know, had a kind of an acting career going on. She suddenly decided to become a nun. Yes. And then she rose from being the nun to a mother superior. So Which she's, is amazing. And in Connecticut. And she's still alive today. Yes. 83. Right. I did read that she was still, like, on the film voting board or something. Oh, really? Yeah, that's just kind of strange to me. But um, I did read a funny comment, because I find that interesting that you're in Hollywood and you know that whole lifestyle or that whole environment she must have definitely had a upbringing in the yeah, church yeah and she did say that she had a calling that she was dealing with even when she was young yeah but she liked it being an actress and um so somebody had asked her you know what was it like you know kissing elvis in those <laughs> movies and she says you can't get any closer to heaven than that and i'm like oh but that is just funny <laughs> So yeah, so that's our that's our cast of characters, um, and you know, speaking of you know this film in in New Orleans, we had to get a cocktail that tied in with our beloved city that we love, and I decided to um, do a classic daiquiri, which is I thought was such a good idea, right? Because the daiquiri, of course, in New Orleans, that is a it's just a main cocktail there. Um, it's mostly frozen. It's frozen, and they have them in just tons and tons of bars and tons of different flavors. Even like walk up, like you're not even really right. a bar. You just walk up, fill yeah. my glass. Yep. <laughs> they have they have daiquiri shops where you can drive through, like a fast food place, um, order your daiquiri and go. And with New Orleans, you can walk around yes. um, with your drinks yeah. open. Like it's not like right. you could just get a drink at a bar, get in a, a go cup. Uh, to go cup and walk around the city, you know that's how it is. And the famous, um, you know, Bourbon Street, which. So this movie is on Bourbon Street, like as far as the the clubs that right. he plays in, they're not like that anymore. I no, mean, I felt like they were classy, but people thought they were trashy. Right, and this one considered now. Yeah, like now, I mean, they will have these like there'll be a hole in the wall with a person there, and they'll have. A couple like kegs of beer, and they'll have like a couple daiquiris frozen. You know, you could go ahead, self serve, pay your money, and on your on your right. way to go. So there's very little music. Yeah, uh, there's no venues. clubs. There's only one that's called hmm. Fritzel's. Yeah, Fritzel's European Jazz Pub, and they do a. It's a very very tiny place, and they do live jazz there. But really, it, not on Bourbon Street anymore. Not like this. And no, we'll, and we're going to talk more like, about that. And it's not even. Strip clubs or no, that, I mean, remember Big Daddies? All, that, like all those, all those are gone, and especially with the pandemic, because last year they were just shut down. Yeah. Now it seems like things have opened, but like Tropical Isle is still there. Yeah. Acme Oyster House is still there. Yeah, of course. Like, things like have been Acme a staple. House. 
Yeah. But they actually would, you know, like the funky pirate, I saw they were still there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like things that actually have been, I mean, of course, a lot of places that have been around for a long time have closed. Mm-hmm. But some have been able to keep going. Right. But, but they're all just like little places where you pop in and get a drink. Yeah. They're they're not where you sit down and have a cocktail and, um, you know, watch a live band, like how this is depicted, because it was in the 50s, and of course, it was a very different place back then. Right. So, and we'll get into more in, in that as we talk more about that. So this daiquiri, what's in this daiquiri? Yeah, so, well, you know, the, the daiquiri is not from New Orleans. It's actually a, a, from Cuba. Um, and it's so it's a vintage cocktail it was created in 1896 by Jennings Cox he was an American mining engineer and he was living at Cuba at the time there, this is a proven fact because they actually have his recipe card from 1896 that he signed so it, it is a real legit cocktail there's of course many different variations than that um, but we're kind of sticking with the original so I, I chose this um, because the daiquiri is popular in New Orleans, New Orleans, but like Tony said, it's always frozen. And then um, the one, the recipe that I'm using is a recipe from Beach Bum Berries Latitude 29 in New Orleans on Decatur Street. Which um, or we, Saint did, Peter's, we did go to. Yes. Um, it's, it's my favorite tiki bar. And that was a very high on the tick meter. Oh, Tony had, had their zombie. <laughs> And so this is hilarious. So I'm looking at her across the table, and she says, I would like a zombie. And I was like, <laughs> So she kept looking at me like, what, what? I'm like, nothing, nothing. And I knew what was going to happen. So they bring her her zombie, and it's in a nice tall highball glass. And so I'm drinking. I had a Pearl Diver. I love the, it's called the Pontchartrain Pearl Diver. That's the lake in Louisiana, New Orleans. And I'm drinking my drink, and I'm looking over there, waiting for that very first sip, because I know. (laughs) (laughs) And she did. She ticked so much. (laughs) But you know what? She was a trooper. She drank that whole thing. I thought, oh, my God, I just spent money on this, and Kara's watching me, and I know she's going to tell everybody, so I need to drink this drink. She did. And I was like, man, that's where I thought, I was like, oh, I'm going to get effed up tonight. (laughs) No, that's all I had. That's all she had. But it was funny because as you got like three quarters of the way through, you go, it's not so bad now. <laughs> it kind of melted the ice and well, yeah, you watered to, it down a town. You're and, getting numb there a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I'm getting numb. But in the end, it was a strong drink, which that's what you expect drinks like that yeah. to be. And so it didn't disappoint, I guess. It did what it was supposed to do. Right. So, yeah. So uh, I was very proud of her that she had that. <laughs> and uh, so this is their recipe. We've actually done two variations. Um, I've done the classic recipe, and then I decided, why don't we make it a strawberry daiquiri? Yeah. So I, um, I actually made my own strawberry simple syrup, and then uh, we added it to the traditional daiquiri. Um, so we're gonna make that up, and then we're gonna see how that tastes. As usual, announcer guy is gonna tell you all about this movie, and then we are gonna come back and talk about King Creole. Ooh, I'm excited. Yeah. Elvis is Danny Fisher, a troubled young teen living in New Orleans who tries to support his dysfunctional family. Danny gets mixed up with some local hoodlums while trying to make it as a nightclub singer. Will Danny make it big time as a singer? Or will he be drawn into a life of crime? And we're back. So we've got our drinks. And um, so, yeah, so the ingredients for this drink, it's pretty, pretty simple. So what you're going to do is you're going to have two ounces of light rum. They are very, very specific uh, when they say do not use dark rum because you will ruin the drink. So two ounces of light rum. So you want to use a very, very good brand of rum. Um, I only had Bacardi. Even though it says superior, <laughs> um, that's all I had. I and, feel like we're one of those bums on the street. Yeah, I know. I got my, I got my Bacardi rum. <laughs> because I told, we totally saw them. <laughs> so uh, we've got our rum and then one ounce of lime juice, freshly squeezed, of course, and two tablespoons of sugar. So it's very simple. So what you're going to do is 
bless you. Sorry. <laughs> um, you, you're going to take two teaspoons of sugar and your lime juice. Put that into your shaker glass. And then you're going to mix it up with like a bar spoon or whatever. Get that sugar dissolved. Then you're going to add your ice and your two ounces of light rum. And you're going to shake it like crazy. Pour it in your glass. So we tried this one first. And I can see why they said to use a good brand of rum. Because this one had a little bit of a, a rummy aftertaste. And I remember having a daiquiri at Latitude 29 uh -huh. and I didn't have that. Of course, they're using these really high end. I, I know they said there was a, a brand of Bacardi you could use. Bacardi like 1909 yeah. signature or something like that. Um, and I'm sorry, I don't have I'm thinking. I will Why put it in show notes. Why didn't you tell me that though. they had daiquiris like this? That's your traditional, not frozen. I I'm gonna tell everybody. I I'm not a fan of frozen drinks because one, yeah. it's too filling. Yeah. I want to be able to to drink stuff. You know, not right. have a big frozen concoction. Not even margaritas. It's got to be on the rocks. That's you know, right. And I I think you feel the same way, right? Oh yeah. I don't get a brain freeze. I know. So. It was good. It was good. But I, I tend to not like that little bit of aftertaste right. of that rum. It didn't seem as smooth. But that's probably because of the rum I used. So then I said, let's make a strawberry uh, Which is daiquiri. right up my alley. Right. So what I did, I made a fruit syrup with a pint of strawberries and a cup of water and a cup of sugar. And we boiled it all down for like 20 minutes. The strawberries will turn to mush and your juice in there will get really red, really dark red. So then you just pour it off, strain it, put it in the refrigerator for a little while, let it cool down. So we added an ounce of the strawberry syrup with the lime juice and the, the sugar to dissolve. And then we added our ice and our rum to shake. Good. And this was the bomb diggity. I mean, it was so good. Oh yeah, it was very good. Really good. So I would definitely make the strawberry again, or I'm going to make the uh, original one after I get the better rum. Mm -hmm. So we'll, we'll revisit this one. I could have many of these. Oh, I know the strawberry <laughs> was so good because it did it did smooth out that finish. It, yeah. it was gone, but it wasn't overly sweet and it wasn't too fruity. I don't know. Right. It's just a much better tasting. No ticks on that one, right, Tony? No ticks. All right. So let's get to our film. King Creole. So we are, it, it takes place in New Orleans in the 50s. The film opens with just some city shots of New Orleans and the French Quarter, and it is dead. There's like nobody there. Yeah, and I wrote down, the quarter never looked better. <laughs> it looked like they just freshly washed those streets like they normally do in the mornings. Mm -hmm. You know, it was not a soul inside except these three separate at three separate locations right and these, we know those locations these food vendors yeah <laughs> i told kara i have no idea what they were saying except the guy that said gumbo and i said to myself i don't know if i would be getting a, a bowl of gumbo from somebody with a hot pot on the street yeah pedaling down the street yeah with a, i mean hey i guess if you're hungry and maybe things were different I'm sure they were. They did but have one um, mule-drawn carriage. Rubbish. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they there's a woman, and she's in her um, horse and buggy. Well, mule cart. Uh, I don't know if she's peddling crawfish. I, I was trying to see. I was trying to look yeah. in the back of her wagon. Um, I think she It was. also was nice. Now, it's supposed to have been on Royal Street because mm -hmm. that's when she's passing Elvis and the girl. It was actually 1018 Royal Street. Yes. I do know that. That's where they filmed that's it. where they filmed that. Yeah. Um, this also was Elvis's favorite movie. That he did. Um, and the fan favorite as and well. And the fan favorite. Yes. Also, the soundtrack to this movie, it did go to number two and produce such hits as Hard-Headed Woman. And, of course, Spring Creole was on there, too. And Trouble. And, well, I was saving trouble. the best for okay. last. Okay. Trouble. You know, Dixieland Rock. Oh, you know, everybody yeah. needs a little. <laughs> but I will say, um, yeah, I, it looked like that, you know, when they made this film, they were like, everything off these streets 
Yes. No cars because they usually have cars parked on each side. They're all one ways. All it one just ways. looked like the way it was supposed to be with that girl coming down with her. Yes. Wagon. Yes. So, because it's funny, as we were there, Kara was like, these streets aren't meant for cars. They're meant for horse and buggy. <laughs> like, I'm tired of these stupid cars. But So um, that was nice to see. But so, yeah, so they have this woman and she's got a, a I, I'm assuming she's peddling crawfish. Um, and she's singing the song, crawfish. And then Elvis is like, and then Elvis in, like, comes yeah. out on the, he's staring over the balcony and he's singing it too. And then that's our first song. And so then, you know, he ends up talking to the ladies on the balcony across the street. Selling there. And yeah, they're, they're just some hoes. Yeah, but it's funny because, you know, the, his sister Mimi comes out and she's like, get in here for breakfast and dad would be so, you know, upset Man. for you. You know, he's, you know, talking to them and he's, well, he moved us here. He, we're broke. Yeah, so it's his fault why I'm talking to yeah. those ladies. And I'm thinking, <laughs> you got to be broke to live there? Like, hey, sign me up. Cause... I know, I know. Now they're like million dollar right. apartments or whatever. It's like, we live in this, it's his fault. We live in this bad neighborhood and, you know, and all this stuff. His dad, so the mom died. And yeah, the dad was ago. a pharmacist and he basically just kind of lost it after the mom he, died. He's been unemployed. Um, Elvis is a high school student. Um, and actually, Elvis was 23 when he made this film. Yes. Um, so he was a high school student. We find out that has repeated the 12th grade. <laughs> twice. Twice. And they are going to fail him. Okay. I shouldn't say that jump yet. Right. So at this point, he's getting ready for school. But he has to go to his job first. So he has a job, we learn, before school and after school. Because he's trying to work. And go to school because his dad doesn't work and his sister doesn't work. Well, I thought the sister was doing stuff too. I, I never seen her work. I mean, or I maybe they, they just, mentioned it. And I yeah, was, I mean, I'm thinking she probably did like cleaning or, or like sewing like yeah. or something like that. Right. But basically, they are trying to keep them afloat because the dad's not the dad working. Just I guess lays in bed all day. I don't know. So he goes walks around dreaming about his son graduating high school. Right, because he was going to have a party last year, and the, the sister goes, "Oh, he had everything ready for you." Like suddenly he, it's like the Willy Wonka, how the grandfather jumps out of bed when yeah. he's going to go to the factory. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, "You're graduating. Time for me to get out of bed." Yeah. So I'm going to throw you a party, you know. <laughs> so, so then yeah. Elvis goes to his job. And his job is? He's at this club sweeping and putting chairs up because I guess eventually they close, but I don't really. So there's a party still going on, two guys and two girls. So they're like And one of the girls is Carolyn Jones, yes. They're drunk and smoking and having a good time still. Like, we don't want the party to end. So the guy, he's kind of a jerk. Yeah, and he smacks Carolyn Jones around. Yeah, he's trying to trying to. Which her name is Ronnie in the film. Yeah, he's trying to get close to her, like, oh, kiss me, and she's just like drunk, but like, no, I don't want no part of this. And then you know, Elvis, like he is, like in most of his movies, like, I don't think the lady wants to, you know, be with you, whatever, you know. And and doesn't he sing a little little ditty? They said, sing your school song. Yeah. Oh, so he sings a school song, and it's like da 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 da. Yeah, and then they're like, with more pep, like he's supposed to start doing cartwheels or yeah. something. So yeah, he's and and it's not a full on song. It's just him actually just kind of like we're gonna fight rah rah rah. Yeah, humming like that the song kind of, like a school. Yeah, so, it's basically everything she said, like pride and true, and he's just like saying the same words that she uh, said. I didn't notice that. Yeah. So they're oh, done, okay. and they're like, yeah, here's a few bucks. And, so you know, yeah. So then when they start smacking around or whatever, he just, like, takes her out of there. And he busts just before two beer bottles, like, I'm going to cut you. Yeah, I'm going to get you. And he tells her to run. Right. <laughs> and so then he, um, Jumps I got to go, go to school. Yeah, I got to go to school. So they jump in a taxi. And they're, well, it seems like they're driving around for, <laughs> so like, he goes, 40 I go minutes. Royal High School. <laughs> when really it would only be, like, three blocks down the street. Because right. I know you what that even, school is. You wouldn't even need... A, a taxi right but okay so he gets out in the schoolyards right there and of course his friends or schoolmates are hanging out and they see him with this older woman right and so then i don't know what it is like well she was begging him to kiss her yeah and so <laughs> they end up kissing and i think it was because of the the guys in the schoolyard yeah she said kiss me and i'll tell the driver where i live oh okay because he was trying to get rid of her 
Yeah, he was. He didn't want any part of it. Because one of those little girls are like, Mrs. Patch already marked you absent. Yeah, Peterson, I think. <laughs> yeah, Peterson. Was. Yeah. But but we have to say too that um, Ronnie, which is Carolyn Jones' character, is mock Maxie's Girl. like kind of girlfriend. The mall, you know, if you want to call her, you know, because he's like a mobstery guy and owns that club. Yeah. So, but I you think don't really know that. You don't know that yeah. until later. So he kisses her. He goes into school with lipstick on his lips and all yes. smeared all over his face. And they're like, so basically he's talking to his teacher, the old Peterson and the principal. Well, because he got in a fight in the schoolyard. Because he, he smacked or he punched that guy because yeah. he was making fun of him. Yes. So and plus he was late. Yeah. So it's the last day of school before graduation. <laughs> right. So they said, basically, we're not the lady goes, I'm not passing you because you have a horrible attitude basically how can you do, i mean really last day of school <laughs> and they said we'll see you next year like so, that's okay so like all his work that he did and he like even if he just breezed past slightly yeah and so they said he goes and so then he tells the principal about what happened basically i have to go to work my dad doesn't work i have to go before school after school we do whatever we can to support right. our family i need to graduate because that's all my dad wants is for me to graduate. Yes. So he's like, I'm sorry. They shake hands and he leaves. But okay, <laughs> I have a problem with this Miss Peterson because she's like this little school marm lady and she's like, you're not going to graduate. <laughs> and then the principal says, well, I got to side with her. And I'm like, no, you are her boss. <laughs> right. And what's his grades? Exactly. I mean, is he always punching other kids out? Right. I mean, but yeah, so I, I was just like, whatever. So he goes home. And, and they want him to repeat the class, the school <laughs> right. year again. So three like, years. Like, I would have been like, F you too. I'm not doing that. Yeah. So he goes back home to tell them, basically, I'm not going to graduate. And the dad's all up out of bed and ready to go. And he's like, no, I'm not going. He goes, oh, no. I know. I know they said you can't graduate. He goes, they said maybe you could do some night classes and that you could graduate In earlier. a few months. Yeah. yeah in a few months. So he's like, ha, no. But I thought he wasn't going to graduate because of his attitude, not right. because of his grades. Yeah. So then they said, all right, the dad says, let's make a deal. I'll go to work and you go to night school and we will call it even. You know, well, you got to graduate. And that, you know, and of course, Elvis has a little smart mouth. He does, and he knows his dad is basically, he can't keep a job. Because he's like, obviously, it's been three years. Yeah. And, you know. So, he goes down, and he's a little waiter at night at the club that he went to sweep up, and he met Ronnie and all that. So, he's there, and he's like, this is going to be my last night. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh-huh. I got, it's going to oh. be my last night. <laughs> hey, little mama. <laughs> it's going to be my last night. My hair is all greased. Yes. Which I thought was funny is because Elvis was a light, dirty blonde. Yeah, and he and always dyed, he dyed his hair black. black. <laughs> so he said, you know, basically, Shh. so here comes Maxie walking back up. Mm-hmm. Says, hey, kid, because he saw him and the girl making eyes because they just making out earlier. Or And he heard from the friends that, yeah. that she left with him. And so he's like, basically, um, she said you could sing. She heard you sing before. I sing a little. Part of my choir at school. <laughs> so he said, well, you know what? You're on. You need to prove to me that you can sing because I think you're lying. So the best bar set up ever. There's this old yeah. band at the end, brass band, and it's on top of the bar, like on the corner. So it's like a little right. platform where they look down like on the people, which I was like, gosh, that's the best bar set up ever. It is because the bar, like you can have perfect seat right around that yeah. bar. And even the tables. Exactly. Are the, around there. the entertainment is elevated. Right. So he's like, all right, I can do that. So he gets up there and he sings the best song. Yeah. Well, besides the Christmas ones, because we'll get over to that one day. <laughs> Is trouble. Yes. Oh, yes. And at first, you know, it starts out real slow. Like, like he's all shy, like, <laughs> and then all of a sudden he's like, man, it was a green mountain check because I'm evil. Oh, my Lord. And then he's like, rrr, rrr, rrr. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so then everybody's like, what? 
Tanner was like, yeah, like, you know, and that, and Carolyn Jones, Ronnie, is sitting there, and she's, like, kind of smiling, like, <laughs> I told his I ass told he could him, sing. You know, so then he's, like, dollar signs, Walter Matthau's, you know, character, Maxie. So he's, like, hey, kid, you know, meanwhile, the King Creole ma- owner. Yeah, because King Creole is an actual club. Name. Yeah, and it's down the street. They're, you know, they're both one. Of, it's the only club not ran or By not. Max. Max, he's not getting a, a yeah. cut of. Mm-hmm. So he's there, and he's and he goes, what are you doing here? I'm checking out the competition, you know? So he's like, he hears him, so he wants him, too. So he gets down from the stage, you know, and he, and he's like, I got to go because this is my last night. He's like, they're both trying to keep him there, and they're like, nope, see ya. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> we'll have to talk about when he meets those guys because they said. Right. So, yeah. So he meets these Thugs. Shark, dummy, and whatever right. that other one's name was. And Shark <laughs> was played by Vic Morrow, which everybody would know him. And, you know, I mean, if you want to get morbid about it, he was killed on the set of Twilight Zone, the movie. We will have to do that movie one day. But um, so Vic Morrow is the lead baddie of that little wannabe group, you know, <laughs> and he's always around Max. He's like, what can I do for you, sir? I'll do whatever. You know, he wants the piece of the action and wants to be important and make money. So, and before this, you know, Elvis is like, I need to make some money. I'll meet you guys. Because they're like, he plays dirty, just like I like. Yeah, because they were fighting in an alley. And Elvis, of course, is the tough guy. So they go to uh, this little five and dime. And he goes, all right, you just sing with your guitar, the uh, Lover Dial song. Yeah. And he's like, so he's singing there. He's strumming his guitar, singing that Lover Dial song, going all walking around. All swoony. Hey. And then those guys are stealing everything. Yes. They even walk out with a bike at the end. Yeah, I see like that nobody at the saw end. that. So then he sees Nellie, and Nellie works the um like the soda counter, and she says, "Are you part of this racket?" And he's just like, "What?" I, I, and it, at one point, I didn't know if he knew kind of what was going on, but obviously he did because yeah. later he comments on it. Um, it's just he didn't really see, he didn't steal and he it. He wasn't he, trying to. Yeah, because he, he was like, "I've never stole up. anything before." Yeah. you know. And they go, "You don't have to." So. The police, they're like, hey, they're going to call the police. And the, the guy's already left with the merchandise. Right. And he's there going to drink a root beer. So he's like, what time do you get off? And nine, 10 o'clock. Yeah. Like, five and dimes are open that late. That's what all I can think of. Is <laughs> she working that counter till 10 o'clock Yeah, at I was night. like, dang, there's some weirdos that have to come in there at 10 o'clock. <laughs> so he, he goes, maybe I'll see you. So when he's at the, uh, the club, Maxie's club. Oh, the, the King Creole. No. Oh, oh, Maxie, sorry. Yeah, Maxie's. The thugs had came in and said, hey, meet us outside. We're splitting up the money. Oh, yes, yes. So he goes outside to get his cut. Well, poor dummy gets $5 out of 90 And so he kind of wrestles those guys up, Elvis does, and he gives dummy his share because he's like, that's not fair. And he, Yeah, and he says, if they give you any trouble or try to take this from you, you let me know. Yeah. And he like, um, they call him dummy, but I th- he couldn't speak or something. Yeah, he had something wrong with him. Yeah. But um, he, you know. Right. He was doing the dirty work, so he understood that. He was, yeah. So he gets his money, and so he, uh, the King Creole guy, he goes to the King Creole to see what was up there. And because uh, right. the guy's like, come see me, you know. So he hears from Ronnie that that's the only place that Maxie doesn't have his hand in. So he's like, okay. So he goes over there to see, you know, he said he wanted to offer him a job. Mm-hmm. So he's like $85 a week. Ooh. Right, that's some good money. And so he's like, you know, first we'll try it out, see if it works, and then we'll we'll sign papers and we'll right. get a contract. So and he's like a legit person. He is. He's not like a... a, a yeah. Kind of... So he said, how about come over for dinner tomorrow and you could talk to my dad. So he's like, deal. So he goes to meet Nellie when she gets off work at 10. Mm-hmm. And he goes to the back alley, and there's, like, all these girls, which I'm thinking, wow, there's a lot of people that work there. <laughs> it's, like, a whole, like, 15, 20 girls walking out at the same time. And so she's, like, oh, hey, oh. Like, she's so excited to see him because she didn't think he would be there, but did. Right. You know. So he's, like, let's go to a party. Yes. I was very, like, I was, like, wow, Elvis was a dog. I mean, I, I've heard other things, but like, what a dog. <laughs> 
But yeah, so like, um, they go to like this uh, hotel. Yeah, and, and he goes, "Where's where's the party at, man?" And the guy goes, "I don't know what you're talking about." So he hands him some money, and he goes, "Where's the party at?" And he goes, "Oh, up in room blah blah blah." They go up to a hotel room, and basically he thinks that he's he, gonna have his way with her. Yeah, and then she's like, "What are you doing?" And then she starts crying. Yeah. So then he was like, "Oh God." I'm like, I was just like floored. Like, you're a jerk. I was like, wow. I already thinking you could just do it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so then, like, they leave. And he's all apologetic and stuff. You know? And he walks her home. And he's yeah. like, I'll see you later or whatever. And she's like, will I ever see you again? You probably. Know? I thought, if I was her, I'd be like, probably not. Because obviously I see what he wants. <laughs> right. So that was that. So he goes. And then it's the next night. Mm-hmm. And here comes. Uh, uh, the King Creole guy. What's his name? We should know his name. I'll, I'll have to look it up. I don't remember his name. Ugh, it's going to drive me crazy now because right. I didn't write it down. I know. Mr. King Creole, we'll call him. Yeah, but, um, so he comes over for dinner to talk to the dad. And, of course, the dad's like, get your hat and you can leave. Yeah. He, and so he goes outside and he's sitting with Mimi, the right, sister. The sister. And I am cracking up <laughs> because he says to her, so... What does a 40-year-old guy say to a 20-year-old girl? And I'm like, that guy's way over than 40. Yeah, he was. He was way over 40, and it was just creepy. And she said, that you're 38. Ha! <laughs> so he said, hey, how about, um, you know, we go out. Let's go out and go get a drink tonight. Well, it's too soon. How about tomorrow night? But I thought, like, when she said, say you're 38, I'm like, what was her cutoff? Like, 40, so. Right. It's okay. It's, it, okay, if you're 38, it's okay. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's hilarious. So then Elvis is like, basically, I'm going to sing. Too bad, Dad. Yes. I'm going to sing. And then the dad's like, I'm going to get this job at this pharmacy. And he's like, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Can't keep a job. Loser. So <laughs> so the next day he goes down to the Regal Pharmacy and there's the pharmacist and the, pharma- and the owner of the ph- pharmacy there. And then Mr. Um, King Creole is there. Yes. And I think he's getting a prescription for his Geritol or something because he's going to take <laughs> out this Viagra. young girl. And I was like, Viagra. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he's like, the agency sent me over. No, that job's been filled. And the guy's like, the hell, it's been filled. We need ha- somebody. He goes, he's too old. I wanted somebody younger. And I'm like, the pharmacist is not, he's not a young guy either. He's like 60 himself. So Mr. King Creole makes that pharmacist give him the job. I don't think that was Mr. King Creole. Was it? I thought it was. No, that was the owner of the pharmacy. Oh, okay. They look like, they look (laughs) the same. They look the same. Because their hair is, okay, first of all, let's just say everybody in black and white looks good. (laughs) (laughs) Right, because you don't, yeah. And uh, so he gets the job. Not to say he's going to keep the job. Yeah. But he gets the job. And and the whole time that that pharmacist just belittles him. He's like an ass. And Elvis sneaks in there because he's like, I'm going to bring him lunch. Yeah, my dad's working his new job. He's been there for like a day. <laughs> I'm going to go there and give him his lunch. So he comes in there and he's hiding behind some, some shelving unit or something. <laughs> and he hears the pharmacist talking to his dad like a dog. And then so... The pharmacist comes out and goes, can I help you, son? And he says, uh, yeah, I got to complain. Um, somebody, so I got my prescription here. And it was wrong. Somebody screwed up my prescription. Like it happens all the time. Because yeah. then he goes, oh, well, that pharmacist is, doesn't work here yeah, anymore. Yeah, and he goes, but you know what? Thanks to this guy here, pointing to his dad, <laughs> I will be back. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because this is the regal pharmacy on royal street supposedly yeah like they don't know he's never seen this guy walking around yeah i know because you know it's a small town so come on <laughs> everybody would know everybody you right know? but um although they did say they moved there recently so i don't know maybe they did yeah right um so yeah so so you have these like little scenes of the uh pharmacist being an ass to <laughs> the dad basically it's this one it's this one like line that they like to use which i've heard in my years of working i've been doing this for 25 years oh yeah yeah <laughs> and it's always been right yeah you know like these new frangled ways will never work <laughs> well and back then they you know they compounded the their Medicines, like you know, they were in a mortar and pestle, and they were mixing things up back then. It wasn't just this prepackaged crap, right? Um, 
So, yeah. So, you know, so we have that little scene there. And then um, Elvis is, you know, still hanging out with the, these hoodlums. And he's still, like, cranking out the hits over at the over King Over at the King Creole. Yeah. And, you know, okay, let's talk about his, his stage clothing <laughs> okay. for this. Suddenly, I'm going to put on an ascot, and that means I'm ready to go. Yeah, yeah. I've got my ascot on, and I'm ready to... And who was writing these songs? That's, I just didn't know. He, he didn't seem like a songwriter. Nobody said, here, here's some songs. And how did he just suddenly get this great backup group called, well, they were the Jordanaires. Yeah, they like were his. Real. Yeah. But it's so funny, these perfect harmonies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what's funny. Um, so, so all of this is going on. He's getting more popular at the King Creole. And... Maxie don't like this. Maxie doesn't like it because Maxie wants to run the town and make all the money. So, of so course. So, gets those hoodlums. Maxie wants to see you, Danny. So, he's like, well, I don't want to see him. Well, you what Maxie wants to do, I'm here. I'm And Shark says, I'm hired by him. So, he's told me to bring you to him. So, you have to come. He goes there. And, of course, he's um, trying to offer him woo him over and how does he want to woo him over is with Ronnie yeah so it's her job whatever so that don't work right so he's just like not having it and but she tells him up front basically and this is where it's kind of sad because she's basically up front with him and she says that she's trapped you know she did something bad and he probably helped her out money-wise, and now forever she is stuck to him, and she hates him. And don't get caught up with him. Don't fall for anything he says, you know. So, of course, he offers Danny, Elvis, um, this proposition to come and whatever. And he goes, I don't want any part of it. You know, I don't. And then he leaves. Well, that's not going to happen with Maxie. It's not going to happen, because he's going to get what he wants. So then... He gets those little hoodlums to, you know, talk with Elvis about um, let's, let's getting back rob. to his dad. Yeah. yeah, getting back at the pharmacist for being mean to his dad and things like this. Well, what happens is Elvis isn't a part of it, but he's there. And they attack. They thought the <coughs> excuse me, the pharmacist was going to have the deposit. Right, the bank deposit. And they're going to... Hit the pharmacist and take the bank deposit. Right. But it wasn't the pharmacist. It was his dad because it was raining and the pharmacist sent him out instead. Right. In his overcoat and hat. Right. So that's what happened. So they beat him in the head and he has to have a suspension surgery. Yes. And all of a sudden, in walks this doctor. Yeah. Sent by Maxie that says basically, Maxie I can perform. Help the, you. Yeah. I can perform the surgery, but it ain't cheap. Mm-hmm. So, so then they kind of accept Maxie's money for the surgery. So then he they call Elvis back to the lair. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and so Ronnie's there again, you know, Which was at? Oh, it was at Preservation Hall um, in New Orleans. And... It was a little different, a little more lush, but Preservation <laughs> Hall is actually a, a really cool old jazz club now. But back then, you know, but it looks the same as yeah. it did back then. But so um, he, Maxie, wakes up from his little drunken stupor, I guess, and comes up and tells him he's got to, he's no choice, he needs to sign on this dotted line um, because he's going to tell his dad. That he was involved. He was involved. So he goes ahead and signs the paperwork, and now he's indebted to him. And so he's feeling really low, and he has to go back to King Creole and tell the guy. Without one last song. Of course. Which is steadfast, loyal, and true. Yes, (laughs) which is almost, to me, the title of the school song. (laughs) Right? And then at the end, he's like, okay, guys, thank you for being fans, but I got to go. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, thanks for, you know, coming and seeing me and blah, blah, blah. And my question is, if he went to Maxie's, did he take those that band with him? Because, I mean, come on. Right. Who's going to back him up? Right. 
with those awesome harmonies. Right. And and it was like he just started singing right off the bat. No rehearsals. <laughs> he just jumped right on stage with these strange people and started singing like they've been playing for, for years. years. Right. That's they what's were. funny. <laughs> so we've quit King Creole. And the dad, after a month of being in the hospital, recovers. Is, yes. And he's coming home. And he finds out of well, what really happened. Maxie tells him. Maxie tells him. It, okay, so the owner of King Creole wants to marry the sister now. Yeah. So, yeah, I know. It's funny. So, there can't be any debts or anything like that. He doesn't want, you know, any money being hung over the head. He doesn't want his son being indebted to him like that. Right. And he's just like, too bad, you know? And then that's when Maxie tells him, like, well, your son is the one who had a hand in what your problem is. Right. Because, you know. So then he's like, well. Yeah. So he doesn't want to see him. He runs from him and. So then. Hides up in the apartment. He's walking through Jackson Square, all this is. Yes. And being chased by the thugs, Sharp, whoever that one guy, and Dummy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, Dummy wasn't there. No, he wasn't. No. Because he, he doesn't want to Yeah. Hurt so him. they chase him down um, Pirate's Alley, mm -hmm. and uh, one goes one way, and you know, from one direction, and then the other circles around, and they trap him inside um, like an alleyway. And uh, first, a, a Elvis. Scuffle. Climbs on the side of the building, which I think is funny. <laughs> Finds this little ledge. And so when the one guy, not Shark, the other one, who I still never knew his name. They never said it. Probably not. Um, He jumps down on him, beats him, and strangles him. Oh, right. Yeah. So then here comes Shark. So they're fighting and twisting and running, <laughs> rolling around with this knife. And um, he stabs Elvis in the shoulder and in the arm. And he... Uh, turns the knife and onto him and ends up killing, stabbing. stabbing Shark. Yeah. So he gets up and he's like kind of like dazed and he's like kind of shuffling around. But and I don't goes... understand because he just got stabbed in the arm. Well, I mean, there was a lot of blood loss maybe. I guess I so. Know. Or maybe he was really tired too. Could be. So he shuffles home, goes Climbs... up the stairs. Nobody wants to answer the door. And, yeah, he's like, Dad. Yeah. And his dad just turned the light off on him. Right. he's pissed, of course. So he shuffles down the stairs, and then he gets to the street, and Ronnie swoops in and puts him in her car. They're and, looking for you. They're coming for you. So they get out of town. And they drive off somewhere on the lake. Yep. And, and she's got, like, a secret lake house. Yeah. That nobody knows about. But they end up knowing about they it. They know about it because Maxie goes there with Dummy. I mean, maybe, like, it took him that long to figure out where. Right, right. And also to find those guys and I'm yeah. sure all that stuff. Because it was two days. Yeah. He, he had been out for two days, he said. Yeah. So he comes out and he's kind of healing up and everything. And she's sitting up, like laying out on the deck out there on the water. And mm -hmm. so they're just having, you know, she's like, I wish she could just stay here and love me. Right. And so they have their moment. And then soon it's interrupted by a screeching car because it's like a long, um, walkway out to the water yes. so screeching car to the land part and Maxie and Dummy get out so they're walking um, like running like fiercely and uh, they see them right and poor Dummy I hate that they call him Dummy but that's right. his character's name in this show um, he's trying to yell out to warn them yeah and he can't He's trying so hard. And it, I thought, oh, maybe he will. Like, something right. will happen. But no, he can't. And then Maxie's running there, and he's got his gun out. And he just starts shooting. Well, then he ends up shooting Ronnie. In the back, in I the suppose. Back. Yeah. And she falls down. And then... Um, but this is the best part. So Dummy and Maxie are, like, fighting, rolling around. And then he ends up shoot. They fall into the water, and he shoots him. Um, right. Maxie. And so Maxie's dead. Yeah. And so Ronnie, they flip her over, and there's a little bit of trickle of blood, oh, so slightly coming out of her mouth. <laughs> so it means that she's going to be dead. a sexy death. Yeah. So she's like, ugh. You know? Yeah. So. And, and he's all sad. And then. It's the last night at the. 
you know, it's the King Creole, and he's back there. Everything's, like, uh-huh. back to where it's supposed to be. And he sings his last song, which it's, oh, so sad. And The sister is there with Mr. King Creole. Yeah. And so he finishes it, and he goes to his dressing room, and there's Nellie. And yeah. she's like, are you ready? And he goes, I don't think I'll ever be ready. Like, <laughs> so it's kind of left up in the air. Like, yeah. are they are they going to get together? I mean, I was wondering, like, okay, was he torn between two women? or Which, it was kind of like, it's funny because in the review or in the details of this movie, when you look it up, it's like, oh, he was star-crossed, like, crossed between two lovers. Like, which one? And you really didn't see that love affair. No, there was no. With either of them. It was more like of a lust or a like. You know, well, with her, obviously, you want to take her to the hotel room right away. Yeah. So and then with Ronnie, she was ready to go, but he was like, oh, you know, I don't know. Yeah. It's just weird. Um, I, I. And this was a book. Yes, it was. It was, it was a stone a, for Danny. Danny Fisher, yes, but it was about a boxer rather yes. than a singer. So, of course, they had they could right. Well, I mean, that would have been a cool thing. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine a singing right. boxer? This movie was very different um, as far as an Elvis film because it was not like they took a handful of songs and wrote something around it. Right. Um, he was not singing all the time. You know, I think that's why he liked it because it was a, more acting in it. Yeah. And and the songs were was... actually on stage. He was doing yeah. what he was supposed to do up there. And then after that, he was done doing... Uh, right. Uh, it wasn't like... Right. Uh... I'm walking here. And oh, I got this guitar out of my ass, and I'm like, right. "There's 15 girls I gotta sing to." You know, right. it's like, you know, stupid like that. And it was probably because it was just such a cool place, and he felt it too. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a funny story about that when they were filming. Um, so they stayed at the Roosevelt Ho- Roosevelt Hotel, okay, which was the Sazerac Museum, which is there now. Um, and, and that's on Canal Street, and they had locked off the whole 10th floor for the cast and crew and they had guards there and so nobody could get close to that floor and the elevator operator was very strict and they all got done filming their scenes and went back to the hotel and needed wanted to need to go up to the 10th floor and they're like nope nope and there's elvis standing there like nope you can't go up here because elvis presley's up there <laughs> and he's like dude i'm elvis <laughs> <laughs> you gotta prove it to me sing me a song we only went to floor four. <laughs> wow. But, um, so, yeah, that's the, that was my little, some trivia that I had about that. Yeah. Um, um, I I liked this movie. I did. Um, not, I don't know, because was it because it was old-time New Orleans, and um, Elvis wasn't singing every two seconds, and it was out of context. Well, it was also, it was a, it's a time in the world that changed. You know, they gave him a 60-day tournament deferment before, his draft he, of the before army. he went to the army right and then he spent two years in the army and came back and so it was everything a lot of things have changed mm-hmm. so this was part of his career like the early days right and you know and just couldn't imagine okay so now you're gone for two years and you come back and now it's time to work again well and i th- you know in the music industry and things like that like you have to be relevant so you can't it's weird because like I, I think nowadays it's like that you can't just stop and then come back right. years later. But I think that is the testament of what the time was um, and Elvis's popularity. Like, he was gone for two years, and people were still obsessed with him, and then he came back, and it was just like he picked right up where he was. I mean, because, like, nowadays, you think they probably would uh, release some music while they were in. Yes. Um, but, you know, the... The movie it was filmed in like January, February mm-hmm. of '58, and then released in July. And so he was, if you think he about it, gone. already six months into his, yeah. or almost yeah, four yeah. months or whatever into his. Um, yeah, because he, he was contracted um, to make that movie before. That's why they got special, right? You know, permission from. I don't know. It, it, I just don't know if that would fly nowadays. Like. Well, and soon after is when he met Priscilla, right? While he was in he Germany, was in yeah. Germany, mm-hmm. so kind of yeah. interesting. And you know, it's it's just funny because you know, you, you know, he's twenty three making this movie, but 
the one thing I noticed, and this is something that we talk about, is oh my god, all the smoke. Oh, how do people breathe in those clubs? Yes, I mean every every girl and man had a cigarette and had to blow it all over the place. It, it, but they didn't. He didn't smoke. No, they never show him. Show so him. I just wonder if that's for a clean cut image in a way. Yeah. But, but it was just funny. Because I'm how sure he did drinking. I, I and think smoking. I've seen personal movies he did have, but it, maybe it was just social. Yeah. You know. Or I, I don't know. I, I would like to read more about that. I don't know. But. Well, and you know, just like when he met Carolyn Jones at Ronnie's character that morning and he was supposed to be cleaning up, they were supposed to be drunk. Those girls and guys. Right. <laughs> they yeah. really seemed drunk. <laughs> I know, right? That was crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. But that, that was King Creole. I, I, like I said, I liked it. I yes. would recommend it. It's a, a, you know, a nice little time capsule, a different Elvis movie. Yeah. Um, because all the other ones were like the beach blanket, yeah, bingo I, I or didn't whatever. Care about any of those movies? <laughs> um. But yeah, so did you? Uh, this was your first time seeing this movie. Um, I've seen it before. But I've seen bits and pieces. Yeah, and I, I've never really, you know. And I know the music. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um. We watched it on Pluto. Me too. Yeah. I, I think, think that's the only... On Voodoo. Was it on Voodoo? Yeah. I think you could rent it on yeah. Amazon. It was two ninety nine on Voodoo. Okay. But yeah, for free, it's on Pluto. Um, Pluto's great. You just have like a couple of commercials here and there. So do you have any favorite uh, moments in the film? Just the songs? <laughs> um, I like when he goes to see the dad at the pharmacy that one time. Oh, and we didn't get... What? what we didn't even see the best part. What, what? happened at the end? What? So he's singing his sad song, and he looks out, and there comes the dad. He watched him sing in oh. the King Creole. Okay. Whoops. <laughs> well, then that just means at the very end, the dad kind of got over it. He got over yeah. it. You know. Well, I'm telling you, you know, when you live in poverty, and you have to do what you got to do, sometimes you make the wrong decisions. And yeah. then, then things snowball. And that's what Ronnie was saying to him the whole time. Yeah. You know, if she could do it all over again, she would not. In a way, that's she knew she would have to die to be free. Yeah. that's She already accepted that, too. Yeah. What are we going to do next? All right. So our next film, um, I kind of, like, thought, okay, it's going to be Thanksgiving. <laughs> And um, yes. Our what's that mean? Our next film is going to be Thanks Killing. It is Who about. Who says there's no uh, horror <laughs> Thanksgiving movies? Right. Um, it is going to be about a killer turkey. <laughs> <laughs> so um, some people did ask if um, we would do a film like that because they knew we were doing our Halloween thing, um, and uh, so yeah, so. For those of uh, any of you who talk to me about Thanksgiving, I'm doing Thanksgiving. So that's going to be our next What's episode. What's funny is when I think of that movie, I think of, I could see your house from up here, but that's Jack Frost. Jack Frost, yeah. <laughs> Not the Michael Keaton good snowman one. No. There's a killer snowman one called Jack Frost. <laughs> I could see your house from up here. It like flies <laughs> through the air. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Um, we are planning on doing a holiday extravaganza kind of like what we did for Halloween um, I want to do it a little bit different you know because there's a I, there's so many different genres okay you got your feel good musicals you got your you know funny ones and then you got horror movie ones so I've got to figure out how we're going to do this so I don't know if we should do just different episodes <laughs> with different genres or well if we did so many for each like you got to pick too funny, too horror, too... Something like that. We're going to talk more about this and get a, get a little plan. Oh, I'm excited. I know, right? Thank you for listening, as usual. And we will send it over to Announcer Guy, and he will close out the show as usual. Take it away, Announcer Guy. See you later. Bye. Bye. You have been listening to the Absurd Cinema Lounge. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe. 
The ladies of the lounge can be contacted via email at absurdcinemalounge at gmail.com or on Facebook and Instagram at Absurd Cinema Lounge. I'm announcer guy telling you that it's good to be the king. Creole, that is.